Hi, and welcome to episode 52 of Tennis Volley Talk. Uh, today, what I'm going to be doing is doing uh, my 52nd episode, which actually is my year, one year episode of doing uh, my YouTube tennis podcast. Uh, and this week, what I've uh, who I interviewed over the phone is actually from a tennis racket that I have in my collection that was actually from the state of Minnesota where I live now. Um, and it was uh, from Woodhill Country Club in Wyzetta, Minnesota. And then I have uh, a, a guy uh, that I interviewed that knows the history of the Woodhill Tennis Club, and also on that tennis racket was signed uh, Frank Voigt on that tennis racket, which I will be showing that tennis racket to you, and then also I will have a racket of the day for you podcasters out there. Uh, so uh, yeah, if you for you YouTubers, if you want to subscribe and like and make a comment on my uh, YouTube podcast, go uh, feel free to do so, and I also for you podcasters if you want to see what i'm talking about with the racket and look at it you can always go to my youtube podcast uh, tennis podcast uh, tennis volley talk if you want to do that also with that too uh i will be getting to this interview and i will then pause it too some at certain times to uh let you see uh, where or let you know where i was in my tennis career and stuff so, and then uh, along the way, I'll be showing you some pictures that I was uh, sent uh, of uh, Frank Voigt and uh, a little bit of the story of how he became Mr. Tennis in uh, Minnesota, in Minnesota. So uh, I just wanted to let you, let you know that, uh, and I'll show you a few pictures uh, of him also. So uh, without any further delays. Uh, I'll turn uh, the interview on and uh, we'll take it from there. And thank you for uh, joining me back on uh, Tennis Volley Talk. And uh, today, uh, my 52nd episode, been doing it a year. Uh, today, actually, uh, I'm going to be doing an over-the-phone interview uh, with uh, Wint Ritchie from uh, a guy that kind of knows a little bit about uh, one of the rackets that I found in my collection, uh, and it is actually from Woodhill Country Club, uh, and it, Woodhill Country Club has a very rich history in its own right here in uh, Minnesota, uh, and uh, I just wanted to uh, thank you again, and uh, joining me and taking time out of your schedule here went to uh, help me along and uh, talk about uh, the, the rich history of Woodhill uh, Country Club there in Wyzetta. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah. Um, now, actually, the, it really kind of surprised me, too, you know, that that, that has been uh, around as long as it has, uh, you know, since since really actually kind of found it from what I gather is about 1915. And then uh, they did build a uh, uh, clubhouse for it back then. And then in 1917, it was actually inaugurated as, as uh, you know, as a, as a club then at that time. 
anniversary, you know, about what seven, eight years ago, and uh, it's um, it's a family family uh, country club with uh, um, a variety of uh, venues to participate in sports and social activities. So it's um, it's it's been a, one of the major country clubs in the Twin Cities area for over a century. That is really that is really something in itself. Uh, to to have that rich history and, and everything and, and then uh, you know from from the, the beginnings that it was it was uh, just amazing to me that uh, that it kind of, it was uh, the the property that was purchased to make that club back there uh, was actually a farm uh, uh, Dunwoody which is a is a well known name in Minnesota anyway uh, you know with the a college that they have for an institute for technology and kind of like that, but I kind of gathered with all the all the uh, acreage that they purchased for that. Uh, it was amazed amazed to me that it ended up being somewhere roughly at about seven hundred and sixty acres. But back then, it only purchased for that that uh, well big big amount uh, for back then at sixty five thousand dollars is what it was all purchased for. <laughs> for all that acreage to start building on that uh, that site. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, actually, my grandfather was was one of the original founders and uh, he acted as president, vice president, secretary, treasurer for many years. Um, and it's interesting, you know, I'm not the club historian by any stretch of the imagination, but looking at the, the historical notes in our, in our club, um, the, the handbook, So yeah, free from temptations of drink back in the uh, early 1900s. Uh, so uh, yeah, that was an interesting part of it too. So it was a liquor-free uh, location or clubhouse uh, for that club uh, back in back then uh, for that uh, for doing that. But <clears throat> what an interesting uh, interesting way to set up the founding ways of that that's the way they wanted that club to go at that time. One of the guiding principles. <laughs> and that, uh, that lasted until Prohibition ended in, what, 1934. And uh, if, only, if, if only our, our founders could uh, <laughs> look, look a century ahead and see how, how that uh, issue is. Uh, <laughs> quite, quite substantially. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it has. Oh my gosh, that that uh, yeah. What what's that ended? Then boy, they could go get go and relax and have their wine per se. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, you know, the social part is, is it's a big part. So it's an all-purpose uh, family club, and uh, it's a generational generational uh, um, uh, membership that. Um, that is unique and it's uh, it's been you know part of part of uh, our family's life for, for from the beginning. Oh sure, uh, it's a it's a place where we we call our second home. Oh sure, and then and, and, uh, did it always have tennis courts? Or it, I get I did also uh, 
meet that it was also an equestrian club or riding club or something yeah. like that at one time. But when did the tennis courts come into being built uh, for that club at the time? Well, it's, you know, it started as a golf course, and Donald Ross, the famous Scottish architect, uh, um, was the architect in 1917, and, um, and then he, I think, revisited um, the club uh, in 1934, uh, uh, where he tweaked the course. So it started mainly as that, and as a riding club. It was, it was a riding club until, you know, from the 1920s until 1961. There were horse shows, uh, you know, very prominent horse shows up in the West area where the riders from all over uh, came and many, many members of Woodhill um, partook in that and they had their own horses and there was a two barns, I think, uh, one of which remains now that is our winter sports barn, uh, all-purpose all sports barn that uh, is the center of paddle tennis and uh, hockey and ice skating um, and, and social wishing just as of this year and almost completion renovating the barn for a full dining experience and expanding it with uh, new golf simulators and a greater greater presence where there's an informal gathering communities and socially kind of went a little bit more higher tech with some with the millennials out there to kind of catch up with all of them with the simulators and all that stuff exactly yeah exactly yeah. And, and then at about when uh did the tennis courts come to existence with the club so the tennis courts uh, they built two courts in 1928 uh two more in 41 uh two in 54 two more in 63 so that's where about where I kind of started uh, about 68 is when I started my tennis uh, back in junior high. <clears throat> and then when they made those last courts there, of course, I was in Oklahoma at the time. Uh, but uh, with that, too, uh, they they had made uh, like in 72 was the last time the last courts that they made there. So, yeah, I was full into my uh you know, a few years into uh, my tennis uh, career at the time from junior high and then going into high school uh, is when I was uh, was doing that and been starting to play my tennis uh, back in the, back in that time. Uh, the last, uh, the last four courts, I've got to get a thank you, the last four courts, the last four courts in 63 and 72, there was a big hill um, it was, it, the courts are on top of the property, on a hill, so you have to walk up the long hill or drive up in the back, the back side. Um, but before the last four courts were built, um, there was a huge hill that overlooked some of the courts, and that's where we watched some of the exhibition matches. Uh, and that was torn down to make room for the four, um, the, the four courts that were installed in 63 and 72. Um, so there are 10 partial courts um, that are um, now has been established and they used to have they used to have uh, lights um, that um, that uh, illuminated the, the first four courts and then those got taken out because nobody plays at night anymore <laughs> but, so that's uh, that's 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 the uh, 
Jessica Langham was there. Um, Dan Clarkson, there's a, a tennis shop with uh, restaurants, and that was uh, that was built back in the 70s and 80s. But there were a number of iterations as far as the tennis shop had started. <laughs> it was just one little, tiny little shop where uh, where Frank Boyd, which is our, our pro from me though of where I grew up uh, in Tulsa, uh, the La Fortune Tennis Center, uh, same kind of situation, little tiny brick building for a tennis shop, a little tennis desk, a little tennis shop. Uh, that's kind of where they uh, strung the rackets back then. It was a little kind of a brick building. Uh, last it started, it was there, you know, like when it was built, uh, started going in the early 70s, 71, 72, something like that. But kind of reminds me a little bit of how I went and and was around that kind of stuff uh with that small kind of a, a shop back then too Yeah, and uh, Frank Voigt, he he knew all of those guys because he was actually on the pro tour back in the time that they were on the pro tour too. So he was he was and played with those guys, the Don Budges and the Jack Kramers and the Bill Tildens, and was able to uh, be around that uh, also through that time. Now, here uh, is uh, a little bit of a tenant uh, picture 
of some of the tennis rackets that, uh, well, let's see if I can get it. There we go. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit of the tennis racket pictures that I have. Uh, the two are a Frank Voigt sign signature tennis racket. The other one up above there either looks like a another Wilson racket at one uh, or an A.G. Spalding racket, one of the two, but it's probably a, a Wilson racket. I have one similar to that myself in my collection. And uh, but anyway, that, that's a, a few of the rackets that uh, he they have uh, in there at the club uh, that were the rackets that they have for on display. That's where right now my one-hander is non-existent for some reason. I just can't seem to get used or even hit a one-handed backhand nowadays. I don't know why, but uh, anyway, for you YouTubers out there, uh, if you want to make a comment and uh, or like, subscribe uh, to my channel, Tennis Volley Talk on YouTube, uh, and you uh, podcasters out there, you'll be uh, seeing a racket of the day and seeing the racket that I have that was uh, signed by Frank Voigt back in the day, probably in the late, uh, oh, late 50s, early 50s to early 60s is when this racket was around and was sold to someone out of the Wood Hill uh, Country Club. So, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of an interesting aspect uh, of that, uh, that racket in itself.
feet just kept, you could just freeze at the baseline, and I would hit from the baseline. I'm going, why, why don't I just go in and serve, try to serve a volley? But my brain and my feet just don't work together sometimes. Uh, with that, but uh, but yeah, with, with that, uh, you know, and, and with the progression of the club and everything too. I mean, it has progressed so much over the over the years with the membership that it has. Uh, a picture of, uh, if I can get it here and not get it so glary. Uh, anyway, that's a picture of Frank Voigt uh, there. And uh, so anyway, it's, he's actually right there, hold, probably holding one of his rackets that he had signed by, him, by him, his, his signature. Uh, but that's a picture of Frank Voigt uh, back in the early days, probably in the four, 50s or so, something like that, 60s. And as we speak of that, I'm, I'm actually looking at uh, the racket that I have uh, that is actually signed with his side signature on it and uh, with uh, the, symbol, the symbol of the Woodhill Country Club was that in Minnesota? So, and, and I, I actually ended up having a friend of mine that gave me a bunch of rackets at, at the time. And then when I've been going and, and sorting them out and, and hanging them up on my rack uh, for my racks that I have for my rackets, I came across this and I said, well, my gosh, what the heck, you know, from Wysetta. I went, well, then I called Wysetta Club and then uh, I said, well, yeah, I got this racket. And, uh, it's signed by a Frank, and I couldn't read the last name very well because it was kind of fancy there. And I'm Frank Vore or something. And then somebody got back to me and went, oh, Frank Vore's name? And then here I have this racket. And then that's then how I got in touch with you. Uh, they they uh, gave me you know, and, uh, to kind of go over a little bit of the history of the, the rich history of the, of the club itself. And then plus with Frank. Uh, he must have been, I mean, him growing up in, uh, you know, in, in Florida and teaching where he taught in Florida and then also growing up in, in Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island, to be able to, back in the day when he was teaching, starting teaching and teaching and playing, to actually have played with those, all the likes of Budge and, and Tilden and teaching the Kennedys uh, how to play tennis and, you know, even even teaching and playing and hitting with Ginger Rogers that he said that was actually a very good tennis player, he said. 
So, yeah, he was a very legitimate tennis player, and knowing and having the classic strokes that he did, <clears throat> actually being able to hit and play with those legends at the time, and then plus being able to uh, teach. And, uh, and he also actually taught all the Kennedys how to play tennis. He said, uh, he said that uh, John wasn't... Uh, he was okay, but not as good as what his brother was. And uh, they said that, that Joe uh, was the youngest one, uh, or the one, uh, Joe Kennedy, he was actually a pure athlete and was a very good tennis player. Uh, but yeah, to be able to even play and, and grow up and teach those stars, the movie stars in along the way, and that's how we grew up from Newport, Rhode Island, then to going to Miami and or near in, in Florida and uh, Miami Beach and, uh, you know, to be able to to teach and, and play with uh, the movie stars that came through there to it uh, during the day or during that time. of his game, of his strokes, of his footwork. 
with that picture that I just showed you, you could just see the the pure, nice form that he had on the court to hit that ball like he did. Uh, just a very, looks like he was, uh, really took it to heart and knew how to hit that ball uh, in a classic way. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite something in my, you know, there was some, some um, uh, articles that said, you know, in 1955, he and, uh, he and Rich Gorto, And of course, then that's the year that I was around <laughs> first. So yeah, the year he moved to Wyzetta, then and that was the year that I I was born. <laughs> so uh, and he and he probably couldn't have been much more than uh, twenty mid twenties, maybe thirty at the time. You know, whenever he'd moved to uh, Wyzetta. Yeah. 
sent him straight, saying this is not how the game is played. Oh, sure. I've had a number of, of friends and acquaintances, non-legal members that have, that have um, um, taken lessons from Frank or been part of the, the junior tennis programs um, that recalled, recalled being um, mentored, shall we say, by Frank as to what's wrong. Or what you could call or say a stern talking to back in the day of how that etiquette should work uh, with the tennis. This has been really, really 
so great to be able to learn all of this with the club and also about Frank uh, himself. Uh, the, um, the racket itself, um, the racket itself when I was working there and, and before, I mean, he had the signature racket um, well before I was there in, in, the, in the 60s. Uh, so I would say probably in the, in the 50s, uh, he had, it's a Jack Kramer racket. So yeah, uh, he the Norm Macdonald was the the Wilson rep, and so then yeah, interesting interesting thing behind that is that yeah, being a Jack Kramer frame, uh, the frame that Jack that Jack Kramer played with, uh, he uh, Frank Voigt uh, actually signed had the stamp uh, of the club on it and then signed his name and they had it the way they did it and went in and picked him up. So then that they sold that particular racket with Frank's autograph on it out of that club at Woodhill club, uh, you know, with that. So also with you, uh, YouTubers, uh, be sure and subscribe and like uh, my channel. Also, uh, you, uh, podcasters, if you want to see the racket of the day coming up, I actually got a two for one special today. going to show you the racket that, uh, that, uh, was Frank, uh, that they sold at the club, uh, under Frank's name. And then also a racket of the day, uh, that, uh, you can take a look at on my YouTube tennis channel, tennis volley talk. I think he did. I, 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 I think so too. 
Paris Tennis Club. Uh, 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 Randy Rodney. Yeah, I don't know the name. Okay. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's part owner of the Roger, New Rogers Tennis Club up there in Rogers. But I've known him for years and years. But I think he he dealt with uh, Norm McDonald's quite a bit too uh, during the day in buying rackets. And then I, I think I actually went to that shop one time and he had a plethora of collection of tennis rackets too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That he had on the wall or somewhere that he was showing. You're on the right track. I think, yeah. I think he did have a, a, a shop. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it was it was amazing in itself. I, I mean, I don't. It was many many years ago, but I kind of remember that it was somewhere down Thirty Second to Franklin or something like that in Minneapolis. So, uh, but yeah, and then he's eventually retired and all that. But uh, but still, to to know that he himself. You know, was the the rep and was able to put these the, the frames and the rackets and they have from uh, you know have have them have Frank uh, assign those rackets too. You know, to be able to sell them to and then have your have the wood wood still upon them to have the members buy them too. So somewhere along the way, I I ended up getting one, which is which is really kind of a value uh, in itself too. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you I'm glad you. Uh, Delved into this uh, into this area, and it's, and it's bringing you some pleasure because it's, it's certainly it's certainly um, there isn't a Wiggle member that, um, that does that didn't have a Frank Lloyd racket. I mean, that's basically all we sold. <laughs> that's all I struck up. Oh, that's amazing itself, and it still has the and it still has a full complement of strings in it too. And it's and I'm sure that it's back from then. The, the classic nylon string, you know, the, the, you know, the classic nylon, almost. We, uh, we strung it up with nylon and then strung it up with gut. Yeah, then, yeah. We got the Victor gut from, from Norman Donald. Oh, sure. And, uh, we'd have to go out and we'd, we'd stretch the gut. We'd put it around a pole. Oh, my gosh. Around our waist and we'd pull it. Oh, my goodness. Stretch it out before we string it. Oh, Frank was, uh, he was a, he was an expert stringer, and he taught uh, he taught all the shop brother me and, and those that followed oh, sure. how to string rackets. No we did it the old fashioned. We did it with a you, you, you cut off a handle of an old tennis racket, and you use the leather handle to to tighten the string and wrap and go through the hole and oh, yeah. wrap it around the handle, and you kind of like touch and feel. You'd say this is the right. You put the all in. In the hole, the hole's go to the next rope. Oh, that is amazing. That that is that's some classic stringing right there. That is so cool. None of this high technology. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. All touching. None, none of this high technology stuff. You know, you just just get it by feel. And, and that is that is amazing in itself. And 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 the level alone to know that those rackets and were strung. Let's not go um, full amount on it. Let's give it a 
Yeah, and back then, uh, that what they were stringing with back then and what he's talking about was uh, the cow gut or cat gut uh, that they strung rackets with back in the day. So yeah, that, that is amazing in itself until, and then eventually in the later times, whenever the, the stringing machines came out and then they had the nylon, uh, the nylon, uh, nylon strings, then that's how they strung the rackets. Uh, then with the nylon, I have the probably, you know, the 60s, 50s, 60s, and it was probably done on a stringer uh, machine. Uh, you know, with with that. Uh, it was it was a master. Oh my gosh! Don't don't forget the Bible to to teach like the people that he did because of the club where Crown was there as members, like the Pillsbury family or the Dayton family or anything like that. The amazing in itself that 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 he knew their games that well. He knew everybody. Everybody knew Frank, and uh, he was uh, he was loved by for good reasons. Oh, I'm sure he was. I'm sure. Uh, absolutely, he sounds like such a such a wonderful all around person to be able to take lessons from and, and know that know the classicness and and to actually then you know have that that inbred with them with his his teaching and his etiquette that he had for tennis too and everything. Yep. Life, life, lifelong lessons. Yes. That is true. That is true. And uh but yeah I I uh, I do uh, you know with that uh I, I do thank you so much uh for uh giving me this rich history in this interview today and taking the time out of your your schedule to be able to talk to me on tennis while we talk for my uh year episode. I appreciate being invited, and um, and all I can say is that Frank is uh, Frank has made a great impact on uh, our family's lives and uh, everybody that he came in contact with. And it's a pleasure to to uh, it's always a pleasure to go back and review some of his history, and it's just very heartwarming. Well, I I appreciate appreciate your time so much, and uh, and uh, you know I, I might even have to try to put the, put this racket to go over to Wood, Wood Hill and uh, talk to him about putting it on loan for me. Here's a, I'll loan it to you so you can display it. You come, you come by anytime, call me anytime, and uh, come on over, and then we'll introduce you to the game of pot tennis. Oh, yes, that would be cool. I would like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll, I'll do that. I, I appreciate the invite. Anytime. Okay. Or, uh, So that was it. Uh, that was the interview uh, with that. Uh, uh, and uh, without, uh, you know, letting, uh, wanting to let, you know, show you the racket that I was, that he had, that I have, 
is is uh, the Frank Voigt racket, and uh, signed by Frank uh, back in the day, uh, and well, probably this way, uh, Frank Voigt, and uh, it was signed by him. That's the symbol of the Wooddale or Woodhill Country Club. Uh, in Wyzetta, Minnesota, and that's that's the symbol that they put on the racket. And then, of course, then he signed here with the racket. And then it does. I mean, yeah, you look at it, and this this racket here has the nylon strings in it. Still has still tight as all heck. Still pretty tight, and the nylon strings and everything. But uh, with that racket too, it very much very much looks uh, to be probably in the. 50s 50s to 60s racket and then it does have that very similar frame like the Jack Kramer frame uh on the Jack Kramer rackets too so yeah with that uh, this is this was the racket that uh, he endorsed and they he signed uh, from Wilson that gave these rackets to him and he he signed them and they they did it that way to where he had his autograph on it and then they sold it out of the wood woodhill uh country club uh, that this particular racket. So somewhere along the way, somebody ended up buying this racket and passed along to other people and through other people. Uh, and I ended up getting it. And I am very happy and very glad that I did get this racket so I could get some more rich history of uh, tennis uh, all the way around. And uh, with that, that is that uh, Frank uh, Voigt uh, racket there for you uh, to take a look at there. And then uh, with this, uh, also, uh, for you YouTubers, be sure and like and subscribe and make a comment. If you did like the Racket of the Day, too, you podcasters, be sure and uh, look on the my YouTube tennis podcast channel, Tennis Volley Talk, if you want to take a look at that racket. Now, with another, another one, uh, here is a Racket of the Day here. Uh, this is actually a Wright, Wright Ditson. Uh, tennis racket made by Wright Ditson. Now, Wright Ditson uh, was founded in uh, 1871 uh, by a businessman, uh, George, or for a, a pro a baseball player, George Wright, and a businessman, Henry Ditson. Uh, and uh, that uh, he and then Spalding bought them out in 1891. But the Wright Ditson symbol all stayed on the uh and endorsed their their making of the rackets and everything like that uh, up until uh 1940s or so in that area but uh, also it has the, the little sticker on here this little blue sticker here uh it says uh made uh, right and ditson makers made in usa and that's what that sticker says here. And then, of course, it has a brass screw in it for balance-wise, the balance point of the racket itself uh, right there. Uh, so, and then it's it's called the Davis Cup racket. Now, this racket is also then all probably is all strung by uh, either cat or cowgut, either one. And it has the, the strings up here and at the bottom for the knots or smooth for spinning the racket too. But this racket here, uh, you know, it has some faded, some colors on it, it's, you know, with the, and with the handle too. But, you know, back in the day, it probably had some nice colors on it too. The blue was probably really nice blue. 
Uh, but this racket, I would say, probably is from in the, oh, probably in the, the early 30s, um, maybe maybe late 20s, but early, at least I know early 30s, 40s in that area, uh, probably in the mid-20s maybe uh, with that racket. And the Davis Cup uh, racket is then that's probably just a the form of a, the name of a Davis Cup and uh, a Wright Ditson racket. Uh, not sure if it was a Wilson or Spalding racket or anything like that, but it was, uh, it was uh, very much... Uh, uh, you know, the Wright Ditson symbol on it. It was actually sold somewhere out of a tennis shop or pro on a sporting goods store back in the day and probably in that time uh, called Ambrose Sporting Goods, but I'm not quite sure exactly where that, where it's from. I couldn't read where, what city it was in, but uh, back in the day, back in the early time, in the 30s, 40s, uh, the sporting goods stores sold these right bits and rackets. And uh, so that's what they sold back in the day. Uh, and very, very, very nice or very heavy feeling racket, though, too sturdy. So that would be the racket of the day uh, for, uh, for you uh, YouTubers to take uh, to, to see. And then also if you... Uh, uh, podcasters want to take a look at it, then feel free to do that on my tennis uh, volley talk on uh, YouTube. So anyway, with that, uh, I do thank all of my uh, TVT tennis friends uh, that are listening to. And uh, thank you again. And uh, once that weather starts turning uh, towards the warm for the people that are playing inside now, uh, look forward to the outside uh, circuit uh, during the summer circuit. Uh, so everybody have a nice week and I will talk to you next week. And thank you very much for being with me for a year and seeing and watching uh, my year 52nd uh, episode. Thank you very much and have a good week.